it's a real encouragement to tell other people about what God is doing in your life. I hope it hasn't been very long since you've done that. But in many parts of the world, believers in Jesus can't just share openly. A gospel worker from Central Asia tells you what it's like to speak about the Lord in her country. You just have to be constantly aware of what's going on around. Who do you talk to? How much you can say to that particular person? Can you really trust? Most of the time, I have to think about specific words that I use even, which is really difficult, and you just want to have a chance to talk. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. Today we're going to hear what it's like to share the gospel in some of the closed nations of Central Asia. My co-worker, Dr. Jason Peters, recorded this interview while I was out of the country on another project. You've heard Dr. Jason before on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and he's here right now to introduce our guest. Her name is Tanya, and she comes from Central Asia, where she works and ministers alongside The Voice of the Martyrs. Tanya, welcome to the studio. It's great to have you here today. Thank you very much. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about yourself. I understand that you are a pastor's wife and also a worker with The Voice of the Martyrs and other ministry organizations. You also have a number of children. You're a mother. Can uh-huh. you uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your experience when you were a child? I understand that you were in university in Central Asia as a young woman and had some challenges just because of the communist oppression. And let me set this up for just a minute. The type of environment that Tanya grew up in was extreme persecution, communist oppression, atheistic culture, and she had some experiences that many of our brothers and sisters face in various parts of the world. So, Tanya, tell us a little bit about your college experience. First of all, I just wanted to tell that I did not really hear about Christ when I was a child. So I think until I was 18 years old, because we didn't talk about God at all in our culture. So there was no God, basically. We were in an atheist country. Only after the Soviet Union collapsed, we had a chance to meet some missionaries who shared the gospel and talk about Jesus. And we finally had a chance to make a decision. But the problem is, after the Soviet Union collapsed, I was in a little town, which is quite far away from the capital, and I did not have a chance to meet any until I went to college. So I went to a college in a big city, finally. And um, when I was in my second year in college, my father died. And I, I really started thinking what what's going on when a person dies because he looked like a normal person and, in fact, he was not. So I just started thinking about that and uh, all of this life and death issues was very interesting topic to me. So... When I came back uh, from funeral, a few days after I met people from Campus Crusade for Christ, and the first question that they asked me was, 
well, what happens to a person when he dies? And that was pretty much what I wanted to hear. So they shared the gospel, and I was absolutely ready. God really prepared my heart to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I, I became a Christian. So, But I was in college, and I was on fire for Christ. So I wanted to tell about Christ to all of my friends in college. And I took them to campus crusade meetings, and pretty soon we had quite a group of people from my faculty who were Christians and were on fire for the Lord. But then it was time to really choose. It was the end of our fourth year at, at college, and we had to choose. Either we continue study or we go somewhere else. So our faculty director started asking, so now what are you going to do? And it was very interesting that most people in our Bible study group was were pretty good students. So the faculty director expected them to go to get master's degree and just continue studies. But most of them said that they will either go to churches to be on staff for church or some Christian organizations and... And I plan to become on staff for Campus Crusade as well with other students. So all of a sudden, our director was just shocked. He couldn't understand what was going on, but he really knew that I was one who initiated that. So it was our end of the school year. We were almost over. I only had to pass my exam and do the final diploma preparation thing. But he called me to his office and he said, you know what, I was really discouraged. You were a brilliant student and I hope that you will continue and you will get a master's degree and you will basically become a professor or whatever because you're very talented. But what, what you did is terrible. You ruined everything. You, you just took my best stu students and converted them to Christianity and now they don't want to continue. So I don't want you to continue. So get your documents and leave now. Wow. I was shocked because it was four years of study and I cannot just leave. So I really, I had to pray and I, I prayed a lot and I cried a lot too to God. So how, how what, what can I do in that situation? So, um, in our church, we had a real wonderful uh, director who was actually in the same college, just a diff different department, and he gave me a wonderful advice. He just said, you keep, just get ready for your exam. Be ready to pass it. Be ready for your diploma preparation. Like, do everything as if you didn't hear that from your director. And if you have a problem, just let me talk to some people. If you have a problem, just give me a call. So I did that. It was very difficult to prepare in this situation. My brain was just crazy. But I did that. And when I came to pass my final exam, uh, our faculty director was there. And he didn't say a thing. He just wanted to see what I, I will do. And God really helped me to go through the exam. And I did everything perfectly. So at the end, he just, he just said, he told me, I honestly wanted to get rid of you. I didn't want to give you a diploma, but you are a good student. So get your diploma, 
and goodbye. I don't want to see you anymore. So that was kind of a difficult experience because I really loved um, my study and it, but there was nothing I could do about it at that time. And at least I was happy to get a diploma. Yeah, what a remarkable story. And I, I'm so glad you shared that because this happens in many places around the world. People often think of persecution in terms of someone getting attacked or, or beaten up or maybe they're, they're uh, you know, physically abused or their house is destroyed. But many times it comes in this other form, which is sort of a persistent oppression and, and removing privileges because of your faith. And it sounds like that's exactly what was happening here. Your, your professor was unwilling to give you the degree because of your faith. And how would that have affected the rest of your life? Actually, I, I had to make a decision to do more ministry. But right now, when I think back about my experience, I actually thinking about that right now. I really think that God gifted me in this area, and I want to continue. Mm-hmm. So I'm praying for that right now because I think I think God wants me to go this way and just be well educated. Yeah. But that was not an option mm-hmm. back then. That's right. And so you left the university with your diploma, and then you began to eventually uh, join in ministry with your family. And you talked about, uh, when we chatted earlier, you shared that that there was some real trouble that came in your local church uh, because you began a religious education program for children. And then the government said, stop doing that. What were some of the risks that you faced by teaching young children about Jesus? First of all, it's it's not legal to teach children any religion. So this is really difficult. But since we, we already did that even before it became illegal. And I, I really believe that this is what God wants us to do. And um, it you have to take a risk. And what we do every day, what, what I do when I have a new parents coming to my door and asking if, if they can enroll their child in the program, I do pray. And my first response to that parent is no. Uh, I have to say that. And I'm, I usually tell them no, but let me talk to my teachers. And if we have a space, I will come back to you later. And I just take their contact information. And if I don't feel like contacting that person, I don't do that. So it is hard sometimes, but you have to really... Um, pray and, 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 and see what God wants you to do. And sometimes I call, and sometimes I have new kids who are from uh, non-Christian families, and I have some wonderful stories of uh, children becoming Christians and then actually influence their own families, which is so wonderful. Absolutely, and, and the, that, of course, is what the government is afraid of, and that's why they say, Uh, And let me just restate this in case you just joined us. Her government, Tanya's government, literally says it's illegal for them to teach children under what age? What age do they specify? 18. 18. Under the age of 18 about anything uh, related to Christianity. So let me ask you this. When you see these young children begin to learn about Jesus, what are some of their reactions? How excited are they to hear about this Christian faith? It depends on how emotional children are. Well, we had a pretty impressive child from a non-Christian family, actually. And I would say she's an evangelist type. Mm-hmm. 
And I remember one day we had a wonderful lesson about uh, from from the Bible. Uh, we talked how Jesus healed the blind man. Part of their assignment as children was to retell the story to their parents. And next day, she came with her mom. And her mom is not a Christian, but she loves her daughter so much. So, And then her mom repeats the story. She said, my daughter was so much on fire telling the story that I really loved the story. And I realized there is something special about this child. She already started evangelizing in her family. Wow. Praise God. That's so exciting. You just never know where those children are going to end up in similar ways uh, to your own story, how you've seen how God has taken you and he's moved you through some real trials and opposition. I understand that you told me earlier, you literally have a file uh, in the police department about you. Tell me what kind of pressure that's created for you and your family. Well, first of all, when they created that file, you have to go through a lot of interrogations and what we call explanation letters. So you have to really write down what made you to that point. I remember the first time when my husband was brought there with the explanation thing. He just wrote his testimony. He said that they deserve to know how God works in my life. So that was amazing. I pretty much wrote my story. So part of that file is my story. I don't know what else is in that file. So I've never seen that, but I know that they already have enough papers. Yeah, and so much so. There's so much negative uh, attention and, and kind of persistent pressure of persecution that you eventually felt like you needed to leave that church that you were ministering in. And tell me about that. I understand that was very difficult. That was a very difficult decision, and and, um, part of it, when we went through a very difficult process, we realized that we cannot continue doing pastoral work in our church, and partly because we don't want to draw too much attention to our church members, and um, we just had to quit. That was very hard, and, uh, you know, people ask questions, and... We were in this church for many years, and they are so dear to us, and you just you just cannot explain. And, and the problem is sometimes you don't want people to know what's really happening because we don't want them to be afraid of. It was a hard decision. And another hard decision that we had to make is that when we tried to choose another church because we couldn't go to our church any longer, we tried our best not to be officially involved in any ministry in a new church because we didn't want to draw attention to that church as well. Yeah, I understand. And you actually shared uh, that one of the pastors at your previous church made kind of a heroic decision to change the names on some of the documents so that he would take some of the blame. That was a, that was a gift from God because it really helped us through the situation and helped really helped to yeah. uh, avoid more serious. I don't know what would be a serious problem, but yeah, might yeah. end up in prison. But Yeah, I love helped. that example. Exactly, because so he literally made the choice as a fellow brother in Christ and fellow minister. He said, I'm going to put my name on these documents. I'm going to erase this other pastor's name because I want to take responsibility for this ministry. What a great example of sacrifice and true love. 
for our brothers and sisters. Absolutely. He was a relief for us. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about the, the community there in your country. Uh, it's very difficult to be a Christian. Less than 2% of the country's population, entire population is Christian. Less right? than one. Less than 1%. Zero point zero something. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. I knew that the, the largest portion was of another faith for sure. And I understand that uh, having grown up in an atheistic kind of context, it seems like uh, there is a spiritual hunger. Would you agree with that, that people are searching and looking for something? There was a spiritual hunger right after the Soviet Union collapsed, absolutely. We had hundreds and thousands of people who just became Christians immediately after a very light sermon. You you didn't have to, like, make up new methods of evangelism. You just preach and they become Christians. But it actually changed. Um, I think it was it was very, like, hung, hung, it was a big hunger for about five years, not more. But then I think people started looking for other ways too. And I think those who were hungry actually found uh, found Christ. But right now, I think that hunger, especially in our country, was replaced with Islam, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people who are listening may not understand that much of Central Asia now has been influenced by Islam. And many of these countries who were formerly part of the Soviet Union are now predominantly Islamic. Absolutely. I cannot believe that when I think about that, because like 25 years ago, it was predominantly atheistic. Yes. So when we had open doors and we had gospel coming into our countries, actually it opened doors for Muslim evangelism as well. But we also know that in your work with the Voice of the Martyrs and with other ministries that there are uh, bright spots of hope in the midst of this darkness. Uh, tell me about some of the, uh, I know security is of utmost concern here, but what are some of the unique ways that ministry is happening? I know one of the issues is with literature distribution. It's very important to get scripture and good resources into the hands of the believers because there's not a lot of spiritual training, is there? Actually, no training, especially in in our country. When I talk to some people, and they just basically ask me, so what's your denomination? And I don't like that question because most pastors, if you talk to our pastors, they don't really know what denominations are they from because they never had a formal training. They never had a Bible college degree. So I think that is a positive thing because then... Christians just work together, and I noticed that unity, it's its so unique, and they really don't care if you're charismatic or Baptist. They just work together because they believe in the same Christ. So literature distribution is um, its quite difficult, actually. So it, it is challenging, and, and we had some situations when um, brothers and sisters were in big trouble for having literature. The problem is you really cannot find any Christian literature in our country. There is no Christian bookstore, nothing. So you cannot just go and buy books. It's not like that here. The only way you can get literature is just going to some churches, and if pastor feels safe, he will give you something. Yeah, wasn't there an issue you shared about where someone gave a Bible to a, a member of the secret police, and that created quite some problems for Accidentally. Them. I, I, I think he did not understand what's happening, but it created a huge problem mm -hmm. later on. 
So it's actually illegal for you to distribute Christian resources. You can't just walk down the street and offer to hand somebody a, a Christian book. No, right now you cannot even uh, feel secure giving a Christian book to a, a Christian brother un- unless you're really sure that this is a Christian brother and he will not tell about you to secret police. Yeah, I think it's hard for us, those of us in the United States, to get our heads around that sort of challenge. We're so used to having Bibles and books all around us and being able to share with a friend, say, hey, I read this great resource. I want to share it with you. But in your country, it's illegal and even dangerous to give a book even to a Christian brother or sister. Yes, and unfortunately, some people ask me, what about Internet resources? And uh, Internet is blocked in like most websites are blocked and they mm. cannot just download stuff. This is the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're listening to a conversation between Dr. Jason Peters and a gospel worker in Central Asia that we're just calling Tanya today. You, you feel tired. You're tired of the struggle probably. Is that a fair thing to say? Exhausted. <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> I would feel exhausted. <laughs> Uh, yes, and uh, I think it's just an uh, ongoing pressure. Our work, you just have to be constantly aware of what's going on around. Who do you talk to? How much you can say to that particular person? Can you really trust? And most of the time, I have to think about specific words that I use even, which is really difficult, and you just want to have a chance to talk. And another thing that is really hard is that you cannot really share what's going on with people around you, partly because you don't want them to be too burdened, and you want to try your best to keep a positive mood. That adds another burden. Mm-hmm. And I actually, even with some uh, Christians outside of the country, sometimes they cannot even talk to them because they don't understand. <sighs> right, absolutely, yeah. You know, one thing that, Tanya, you've shared since you've been here uh, spending time with us at the, the offices here, you've shared that it's just kind of refreshing to be able to talk openly about some of the concerns and struggles. Say more about that. What, what does that mean to you to be able to share? Absolutely, I still cannot believe that. So it took me a while to actually to get used to this idea that I can I can speak freely for a couple weeks actually here I just looked around when I when I talk about Christ I just looked around who's 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 around listening mm-hmm. and then oh relax you can you can speak here freely and that was a, a very interesting feeling actually that you can speak you you shouldn't be afraid of yeah that's amazing another thing that is hard for us to understand because we have had freedom for so long and we can take it for granted. So we thank God for that freedom. And I'm glad you've been able to enjoy it for a season here and to refresh yourself. Let me ask you this. When you think about your children growing up under this sort of system, what are some of the things that concern you as a mother? I noticed in my oldest daughter, even though we never taught her to be really careful, but one day we were in a situation where my kids just went to a mall and my other child just started singing a Christian song. And then my older daughter said, Shh, you cannot sing that. That's not something you can do outside. You can do that at home. And I was shocked. I realized that my kids absorbed that. 
And even without us telling that, so they understand what actually going on. Maybe they don't understand all the details, but they understand a lot. Wow, what a, what a challenge. Well, let me ask you one more thing, and then we'll, we'll wrap up our time together today. But let me ask you what the Lord has been doing in your own heart personally when you think about the, the struggles of the faith, and, and what are some of the things he's been kind of teaching you along the way? It's hard because it, I have a lot of lessons from the Lord right now. But um, throughout all of these struggles, I really was able to experience God in a very unique way. And I noticed that when you're going for a very difficult time, God is closer to you than usual. And um, I even experienced some amazing ways that with, when God tried to comfort me. I think a lot about God's love and how amazing uh, what He's doing, He how He prepares things ahead of you, and how He puts some pieces together. And when you see a picture, so when you're in the process that you don't see that, but when you look back and see this picture, it comes as a puzzle, and then you finally can see a whole picture. But before that, you were able to see only a small pieces of this puzzle. So it gives me hope to know that God is a great designer. He has a plan, even if we don't see that. And another thing that I experience right now a lot is that feeling that we are a body of Christ. And we really need each other. And someone from a difficult situation like ours can share but we also need you who can comfort us, who can help us. And uh, it's, it, I think it's more about relationships, actually. I think we need each other as human beings. And God is showing me a lot about his love within the body of Christ right now. I can see people who take care of us, who help us to, in, a very, in some small ways, but... That means a lot to me, and, and I feel God's love through them. Well, thank you so much, Tanya, for taking some time with us. And that's, that's a great word and encouragement. I've met with so many people around the world who said, it made all the difference when I knew that I wasn't alone, that somebody Absolutely. was with me, that God was with me first, but then also my family, my brothers and, and sisters. And the only way you, could, you can feel that is when somebody is right beside you helping in a situation, a serious situation. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for stopping by, and God bless you in your ministry efforts, and we look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure for me. That's Dr. Jason Peters from The Voice of the Martyrs talking with a gospel worker that we're just calling Tanya. I hope you will support your brothers and sisters in Central Asia this week in your prayers. The Bible tells us that the effectual and fervent prayers accomplish much, and we will only know in eternity how the prayers of VOM Radio listeners are going throughout the world and accomplishing great things for God's kingdom. Here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, you'll hear stories that will inspire you to pray and will instruct you in ways that you can pray more effectively. You'll hear about the needs from your brothers and sisters around the world so that you know how to pray for them. You can hear these stories in our archives online at vomradio.net. Again, that website is vomradio, 
www.thepatriotsocialist.net. You know, over the last year, news reports have told us that things are changing in the country of Turkey, one of my favorite countries in the whole world. We've seen a coup attempt. We've seen a referendum on presidential powers. Next week, our guest is going to tell us what's going on with the church in Turkey. What are the needs of fellow believers there? And we'll also hear how even in the midst of all the turmoil, God is at work. He's doing great things. I know you'll want to be back with us next week to hear about Turkey and what God's doing there right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.